Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode 328 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, and we are in the month of September. The year of 2022 is flying by. We are two-thirds through the year already. Uh, guys, make sure that you click that notification bell. Make sure you subscribe. Never miss a live version of the show. If you miss the video, it's all good. We do the audio pod that goes out on Tuesday on platforms all around the world. You need to make sure that you're following me. You're subscribed. The handle is Montero Unboxing here on YouTube, but also Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. Find me, Montero Unboxing. If you listen to the audio pod, whatever podcast platform that you prefer, you will find me on there as well. So it's the Neutral Corner, episode 328. And I hope you guys had a great weekend. And for uh, my fellow Americans out there, I hope you're enjoying the holiday weekend. The only thing better than a weekend is a three-day weekend, right? So I hope you guys are enjoying your holiday weekend. Myself, um, I went up to my sister's place, spent some time with her and my little nephews, Luca and Enzo. It was an amazing, amazing time. I had some fun and just had family time, man. I had a few um, uh, just uh, laughs and, and, and a couple of drinks, a couple of beers, and uh, just watch the little dudes play. And my wife is about seven weeks away. We'll have a little girl soon to join with my two nephews. It's going to be pretty badass. All right, guys. Uh, so plenty to review. We had boxing Saturday and Sunday. We had a fight of the year contender. We had a heavyweight bout with some big implications for the division, at least in America, uh, down the road. And then we've got an interesting all-female card this weekend, this Saturday over in London that we will preview. Anything else is fair game. Guys, get in the chat. Make sure that you click that thumbs up if you haven't already. And oh, as always, I uh, remind you that the fee for the show, we do not charge a monetary fee here. All I ask is that you share the word. Spread the word. Share the show. Uh, whatever your social media platform is, just post the show out there, man. Let people know. And actually, before I get started, I want to give a shout out to my boys uh, Kenny and Vince, uh, Kenny Keith, Vince Cummings, they have a new podcast out there, Free Ballers, and uh, they didn't ask me to do this. I'm just excited for this show, so uh, I hope they don't mind that I'm I'm sharing it out there. I'm already subscribed. I haven't listened to their first uh, episode yet, but it just dropped today. I'm going to be checking it out on uh, on YouTube, but this is pretty cool because, um, as you guys know, they did a boxing podcast, The Boxing Round. It was one of my favorite ones, and uh, those guys always let it rip. They give their opinions, and uh, now they've decided to stop at the boxing pod, and they're just basically doing a free podcast, free ballers podcast about everything. So I'm sure it will include some boxing, but they're going to let it rip about politics, pop culture, everything, which I think is the right direction for those guys to go in. So I wish them the best of luck. I'm definitely going to check out their pod. Uh, looking forward to it, man. So, okay. Just wanted to give those guys a quick shout out because uh, I've always enjoyed their stuff. And I understand why they're going this route that they're going. I totally get it. And I support them in all of that. Um, Aaron, with a quick question, Aaron from Australia. What's up, brother? He says, yo, Mike, do you have any MOB gear for ladies' sizes? My wife wants some for the Haney Cambosos and uh, Breda Suni. Look, um, we, we used to. We sold out of everything, dude. And I just don't have anything now. So all I got is uh, men's sizes, or I guess, unisex i mean one size fits all but yeah dude, we used to have like the cropped 
women's shirts, you know, that were a little more form fitting and everything. They were really, really cool. We sold all of them gone. I didn't think they'd sell that fast, but they're gone. So yeah, I don't have any doing, I don't know when I'm going to do another print because I still got a bunch of shirts. So, um, Yo, we got a, uh, a bunch of you guys in the chat. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. Gail Falkenthal in the chat. One of the true, true, classy, knowledgeable ladies in boxing. Gail says, Montero, happy Labor Day. All smash the like button. Yes, ma'am. All you guys, make sure you smash that like button. And uh, Aaron saying, damn, I'll pay top dollars. Hey, man, I'll ask I'll ask the uh, my T-shirt connection. I'll ask my guy. The biggest issue, dude, is shipping to Australia. It's been very, very difficult shipping out there because I have so many listeners out there and uh, an increasing, a growing uh, listeners in, in New Zealand. So I'd love to get more shirts out there. I have a bunch of people asking, but the prices have been nuts since the, um, what is it, the supply chain stuff and, you know, all the inflation issues and all that. The shipping has been nuts and I just don't feel right charging that you know, I've even offered to pay like 50% of the shipping, but when the shipping is more than the damn shirt, like I, I just I can't do it. So I'm hoping that when all this stuff dies down, shipping costs will get better because I have a bunch of people out there always asking for it. So, dude, uh, trust me, I'll keep it on the back burner. Um, and I'll see if there's anything I can do. I, I really will. All right, I'll ask. Um Gail says, oh, I didn't know my lady's MOBT was such a hot number. Yeah, uh, Gail, you probably got like one of the one of the last few because um, they went away so fast. Like I, I just never knew um, they would go that fast, but they did. <clears throat> Aaron asks, is there any imitation MOB gear? If there is, I don't know about it, but those dudes better give me my my 50%. <laughs> if there is, I don't know. Uh, Toreen says, salute to you, Mike. Salute to the chat. Hit the likes, you bastards. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Toreen is correct. Hit the likes. All right, let's get right into this thing, man. Um, you know what? I actually don't have any news or notes. I don't. So we're going to get right into the fight review and just talk about everything that took place uh, last week. And let's start Saturday, September 3rd. In Mexico, there was a card on the zone, and uh, we had a fight of the year contender. Now, I don't know if this is going to win fight of the year because these are little, little fighters, and they're not American. And I'm just going to keep it real. You guys know that's what I do here. Uh, love it or leave it, I keep it real. And um, the the people that vote on this stuff, they, they tend to be very ethnocentric, and they don't look outside of America. A lot of times, there have been exceptions. But if the fight did not take place in America, if it didn't feature at least one American, I don't know. But uh, in the co-main, Sevenathi Nant Shinga of uh, South Africa scored a split decision win over Hector Flores, who was dropped in the second round, but came back and battled hard. And um, Nant Shinga wins the vacant IBF junior flyweight title. So these guys are 108 pounds. Little, little dudes, right? Smaller than my wife, and my wife is tiny. Uh, so, again, I don't think this will win fight of the year, but it will certainly be a contender. And a lot of boxing nerds will will rate this their fight of the year for sure. I, I definitely believe that. But uh, just really great two-way action, a lot of punches thrown. If you guys haven't seen this fight, check it out. If you got the zone, you can find it. I'm sure you could find some different uh, broadcasts, maybe some international broadcasts or something on um, YouTube, maybe if you search for it, but most of you guys watching this, I assume have the zone and you've probably already seen this fight. If you haven't, 
I definitely check it out. And then the main event is newsworthy for, uh, well, for a couple of reasons. Juan Francisco Estrada gets a unanimous decision win over RG Cortez, dropped him in the seventh round, uh, but struggled at times, didn't look great. And Estrada was kind of coming off a layoff, hadn't fought in a while. So um, maybe it was some ring rest, maybe some age, maybe uh, Cortez fought a little harder than he thought because on on paper, this looked like a, a showcase type of matchup, right? But Estrada gets the W, and now it's all set. He will fight Chocolatito for the third time December 3rd. So this is great news. I love that they're squeezing this fight in by the end of the year. It was supposed to take place originally early this year. So they're squeezing it in late this year. It beefs up the fourth quarter schedule. I fully expect a third fight between Estrada and Chocolatito to be just as good as the rematch, which was better than the first fight. So these guys, uh, they go to, together like peanut butter and jelly, expecting another good competitive fight between them. Uh, t- uh, the venue, and I think the location is TBA. But, of course, this will be on zone, your regular zone. And uh, again, it's a great way to like round out what has been a pretty good year of boxing. We're not getting certain matchups, at least not yet. More more on that later. But we got some pretty good stuff this year. And this is just another little addition. So I like that we're getting this fight, um, uh, the third fight this year. And look, the reason why I say Estrada didn't look great, because I can see Papa Chubby in the chat saying um, he thought that Estrada looked all right coming off the layoff. But I think... Aaron and Toreen both agree with me. I just, it didn't look like the guy we had seen before. Now, coming off a layoff, okay, maybe you give him a pass, but this guy against Chocolatito is going to struggle, right? He's going to struggle a lot. I think he's going to look better against Chocolatito, but um, maybe he was just taking it easy, getting in rounds, knocking off rust. I'm not sure, but on paper, you guys got to remember, Cortez is a young guy that had nowhere near the level of experience Estrada does. So on paper, again, this looks like a showcase fight that a lot of people thought Estrada was going to win going away. And he did win. Okay. It was a pretty clear win for him. I'm not saying like it was controversial or anything. I just thought that he struggled at times in this fight. <clears throat> Sam with the super chat. Thank you so much, Sam. He said that Estrada's chin is his main weapon. Can't hurt him. Yeah. So far in his career, he's shown an outstanding chin, you know, definitely has. And some, let's be honest, some outstanding skills. You know, he's definitely one of the better little fighters in the sport, or at least has been over the last decade or so. So, um, yeah, I mean, great chin. No one's really cracked it. And um, the man can box. Terrific, terrific boxer. And I do expect him to look better against Chocolatito. I think it's going to be a great fight, the third one between those two. All right, let's uh, move on to yesterday, Sunday, September 4th, at the Crypto.com Arena in downtown Los Angeles. Fox pay-per-view $75 here in the states it was the pbc special so let's start with the undercard um there was some entertaining stuff on the undercard but there really wasn't many surprises okay um spencer got a w alim got a w decision wins everybody kind of knew what was going to happen there uh, isa cruz got a a big dominant knockout win we all saw that happening he kind of did his job so there weren't any surprises in those fights but there were a couple surprises. Let's talk about Abner Morris having a majority draw against Miguel Flores, who had been stopped three times in his career coming into this fight. In fact, Flores was three and four in his last seven coming into this fight. His 
previous fight just before this one was a split draw against a fighter with a 15, 17, and 4 record. Okay, so that tells you the level of Miguel Flores. No disrespect, but that just tells you the level of where he's at, okay, the level of fighter that he is as a pro. And Morris had two great rounds, the first round and especially the second round, were big, dominant, good wins. Or, you know, he won those rounds. But from three through ten, pretty much an even fight. And there were plenty of moments for Flores. All right. So uh, the punch numbers, the punch stats, I'm not going to get into all the detail of the punch stats, but they were even from rounds three to ten. Now, the first two rounds, Maris had a big edge. But after that, I don't know if age caught up with him, ring rust. I don't know what was going on. But Maris closed the show, finished the fight. But this ends up being a majority draw. This also was a lightweight fight. Maris, of course, uh, fought the bulk of his career as a featherweight. His last fight was in the summer of 2018 against Leo Santa Cruz at featherweight. So uh, maybe the weight, I- I'm not sure. But look, Abner Maris coming into this this card was talking about he wants a shot at Javante Davis. He wants to fight for a title. Listen, dude, if you're having a draw against Miguel Flores after having such a, a big start to the fight, you can't close the show against a guy that's been stopped three times. That's won three of his last seven fights that had a draw with a guy with a losing record coming into this fight. Yeah, you're not going to do well against Tank Davis. And I, I really, really hope that somebody at Showtime, whether it's Steven Espinoza, somebody at PBC, Tom Brown, one of those guys sits Mares down and talks to him and just says, listen, dude, we're not going to do that fight. We're not going to do it. Like, no, 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 no. You, you, no business being in the ring with Javante Davis, who would absolutely blast Mares out of there. Look what he did to Leo Santa Cruz, who had probably no business being in there with Tank at this stage of his career either, right? Because Santa Cruz is a blown-up featherweight as well. Uh, had no business being in there with a top-level lightweight. And Santa Cruz beat Mares, I think, twice. And, and there were competitive fights, but it was pretty clear that he beat him. So I'm just saying, guys, put put the levels on all this. Just I really hope Mares retires after this. Um, just don't need to fight again. Doesn't prove anything, and you're not there, dude. You're not where you need to be. But bottom line, that, that's it. All right, the other surprise of this undercard, I'd say the biggest surprise of the night, really, is uh, late replacement. Edwin De Los Santos, who replaced Jazriel Corrales, scored a KO3 win over the previously undefeated Jose Valenzuela. This, of course, was another lightweight fight. There were several lightweight fights on this card. You can just see what they're trying to build for Javante Davis in the future, right? Um they know what they're doing, right? This is all the business, and they're beefing up some resumes for future pay-per-view opponents for Tank. Uh, so that's where they're going with all this. There were multiple knockdowns in this fight. Both fighters were down at different parts in the fight. But uh, De Los Santos, look, man, he he made the most of this opportunity, came in there and got the, the KO3 win over Valenzuela, who, again, first loss as a pro. And this was supposed to be – you know, uh, Valenzuela versus Corrales was supposed to be, you know, a, a building type of fight for him, a developmental kind of fight against a guy that would give you rounds, but fall just short. And that's what Corrales was there to do. He was, you know, getting paid to do that and, and beef up Valenzuela's resume. But uh, De Los Santos, he didn't play along with that script. And he came in there, different style, 
uh, much more explosive than Corrales and uh, got the W. So, so this was an upset special, not like a major upset, but this, this was an upset of the, the promotions plan down the road. And um, we'll have to see how Valenzuela bounces back from this. As far as De Los Santos goes, this was kind of a coming out party for him. So we said we should see more of him in the near future. All right, let's talk about the main event. Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz uh, doing it in Los Angeles. Ortiz scores, um, oh, I'm sorry, Ruiz scores knockdowns uh, in the second round. They actually dropped Ortiz twice in the second round. Looked like he might finish him early, but Ortiz responded, uh, was down again in the seventh round. And then ultimately it goes the distance, which was kind of disappointing. I, I saw a lot of you guys on my Twitter timeline um, seem disappointed overall in the action of this fight. You're expecting a bit more. I think on the surface, the styles and where these fighters are at in their career, it looked like we might get a really good scrap here, um, an action-packed heavyweight fight. It didn't really pan out that way. It was a little lackluster in action despite the three knockdowns. What I find interesting is that the scores, 114-111 twice, and then 113-112, all for Ruiz. But when you consider that there were three knockdowns, that is basically, without the knockdowns, guys, this fight's a draw. It's a majority draw. Two of the judges scored it even in terms of rounds, and one George, one judge scored it 7-5 for Ortiz in terms of rounds. So again, with, with the fast start that Ruiz had, dropping Ortiz a couple times early on, I think people were a little disappointed in his performance. And a lot of people were asking, you know, what's up with Ruiz? Why didn't he step on the gas pedal? Why didn't he try to get Ortiz out of there? And for Ortiz, he showed some heart. You know, he showed that he is still uh, right around the bottom of the top 10 of the division, maybe number nine or 10, at, at least a top dozen or so heavyweight. And it's a tough thing at the office for just about anybody. But the bigger, stronger, more explosive punchers, I think would just blast Ortiz out of there. I mean, he's been dropped, what, five times in the last two fights against Charles Martin and Andy Ruiz, who are not exactly elite-level heavyweight punchers. Ruiz is fast, so he can hit you with a shot you might not see. He might like kind of hit you with a shocking kind of shot that you know, jolts your system a little bit, but he's not a big puncher. He's not. He's just not. Um, th there are probably a dozen punchers in the heavyweight division that hit harder one punch knockout power type of power uh, as a true heavyweight than Ruiz and Ruiz is maybe six feet tall there are guys out there six five six 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 seven punching down that are going to have a lot more leverage in their shots so at this point I gotta say it Luis Ortiz against guys like Joe Joyce and even Hergovich I think he gets stopped I think Zhang would have a good chance of stopping him I really believe that I'm not saying that to, to put the guy down. I'm just saying that's his level at this point. However, he's right around the top dozen or so heavyweights in the world. He's still formidable. He gives anybody a tough night at the office, and he lands a big shot from the southpaw position. He can stop any of those guys I'm talking about as well. Maybe not stop them, but he could, he could drop them and have moments. So anyway, Ruiz, he's a top 10 heavyweight, still viable, still very, very marketable. Why didn't he go for the kill in this fight? You know, I, I looked at the punch stats here. Ruiz landed, according to CopyBox, 76 total punches. Ortiz landed 74. So in terms of total punches landed, pretty much even. 
The difference is Ruiz landed punches that mattered. He landed three specific punches that mattered a lot more than the punches Ortiz landed. What's very interesting to me, Ruiz threw 287 punches in this fight. That's it. He only threw 287 punches in a 12-round fight. That is less than 25 punches thrown per round. That is just not elite-level heavyweight boxing. Now, that reminds me of like the way Tyson Fury used to fight, right? The way he fought Deontay Wilder in the first fight, the way he fought Vladimir Klitschko, that's kind of how Fury used to fight. It was just a bunch of feints, a bunch of feints, maybe 20 or so meaningful punches around he threw. That's basically what Andy Ruiz did in this fight. And being a six foot tall, you know, undersized heavyweight, that's not how he should fight. He should be beating fighters with volume, especially a guy like Ortiz. Everybody's asking, why didn't he do this? Is he shot? Was he apprehensive because of Ortiz's power? Guys, you're all overlooking something. PBC has a business plan here. Andy Ruiz Jr. is going to fight Deontay Wilder next spring, early in the year, probably just after the Super Bowl, but before the NBA playoffs really get too deep and all that, uh, on Fox pay-per-view. That's what they're going to do, right? You can just see that's the direction they want to go. So Andy Ruiz realizes he has a massive, massive fight ahead of him. I'm not going to say massive, but for American heavyweight boxing, PBC boxing, it might be the biggest fight they do next year certainly among the top two or three fights they do next year. So Andy doesn't want to screw that up. That's what this was. It's reminiscent of when Canelo Alvarez fought uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And that went to distance. And Canelo had some big moments in that fight, but he never once really, really stepped out and went for the kill. And people were really disappointed. And you saw what that was. It was a commercial for his first fight against Golovkin. So. Canelo was playing it safe to not screw up the Golovkin fight. That's what I saw. That's to me what I, you know, I predict it's going to be Wilder and Ruiz as as long as Wilder gets through Hellenius and he should, he's tailor made for him. Even a shot version of Wilder should blow through Hellenius. Um, Think of, think of Wilder's fights with like Arthur Spielka, Gerald Washington, that level of heavyweight, right? That's basically what Hellenius is. So, so I'm expecting him to win that fight. Um, so I see Wilder Ruiz next year, early next year pay-per-view. And I just think Ruiz didn't want to get hurt, wanted to play it smart, play it safe, and win a comfortable fight. And there was almost like a gentleman's agreement there. This was Luis Ortiz's kind of cash out, because I don't think we're going to see. He, he fought on two very undeserving pay-per-views this year and got two pretty big paydays for what he brings to the table. And for Ruiz, he knocks off Rust, gets back in the ring, gets a, a possibly the second, yeah, this is definitely the second best win of his career, because his best win, of course, is against AJ, but uh, this has to be the second best win of his career. And now he's lined up for Deontay Wilder next year. Wilder just has to do his part against Hellenius what, uh, next month. So that's what I see here. And I, nobody like caught that because wasn't Wilder there in, in LA watching this fight. Um, so that, that's just, that's what I predict. That's what I see happening. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, go to another super chat. I think I missed one. 
Okay, here we go. Uh, super chat from Mark Ashley. Thank you so much, Mark. He said uh, he should have finished Ortiz, who has no chin. Ruiz looks way too sloppy at the level he wants to compete. Wilder may just wreck Ruiz if that happens. Yeah, and look, there's also um, there's also the possibility that Ruiz was playing possum just a little bit and didn't want to show too much. I think he was playing it safe. He was knocking off rust. He was not trying to show everything. I, I just think it was a combination of all those things. I expect Ruiz to look better against Wilder than he looked against Ortiz. I do. I, I really, really expect him to look better, and especially if they can do it really early next year. Like, let's say March, February, March, something like that. So Andy's not out of the ring for too long. Um, that's what I expect. But you never know. Uh, Ruiz is up and down with his performances. You never know what to expect. There's also this, guys. Look, um, the, the truth is all these guys are pretty much at the same level. And people argue and bicker about the, their heavyweight ratings and pound-for-pound pound ratings, and I get it. That's That's part of being a boxing fan. I understand. But in the end, there's not that much difference in level between Andy Ruiz, Luis Ortiz, Joseph Parker, all these guys. They're kind of all in the same level, right? And there's a few other names I could throw in there. The only names that have really distinguished themselves and separated themselves from the pack, uh, there's, there's three or four of them, and you guys know the names. Um, I think people are going to argue about the level of Luis Ortiz versus Andy Ruiz because R Ortiz had fights with Deontay Wilder. Ruiz had fights with Anthony Joshua. So those two fan bases are going to try to find ways to rate Ruiz and Ortiz, in, you know, different ways to boost up their favorite fighters resume and, and beat down their main rivals resume. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what fans do. So I think a lot of that is what's going on here. A lot of mental gymnastics uh, among boxing fans rating those two guys. The truth is there's not a whole lot of levels between them. I will say this. Um, Andy Ruiz definitely has a much better resume than Luis Ortiz. You know, he had a very close fight with Joseph Parker. Some people felt he won. I thought Parker edged that fight, but then he was briefly the unified heavyweight champion of the world. He, he lost that fight, the, the rematch, I should say to Joshua, but he beat him the first time. Ortiz never really accomplished that to date. Luis Ortiz's best win is Brian Jennings coming off a loss to Vladimir Klitschko. That's his best win. And um, you could call him the boogeyman and say he was avoided. I don't know, dude. Over the last few years, he's had multiple pay-per-view fights with Deontay Wilder. Um, who else? Who did he fight earlier this year on pay-per-view? Was, was, it, was it Chris Ariola? I honestly can't remember. I really can't. And now Andy Ruiz. So he's had fights. With, with some some names, uh, some top guys. And he just, you know, he's been close. He's been competitive. He was real close to beating Wilder twice and uh, just fell short. Same thing with this fight. So that's just the level the guy's at. <clears throat> All right. Uh, another one from, uh, from Sam. Thank you, Sam. He says, maybe Ruiz over Joshua was a fluke, period. Yeah, that's what I've been saying the whole time. And, and, and you know, people always take that as me hating on Andy Ruiz, and it's not. It was his Buster Douglas moment. You know, he, he struck lightning in a bottle, as they say. And I always thought that it was a fluke win. I thought that from the second it happened. And I told everybody, bet the bank on Joshua in the rematch. 
We saw the levels. It is what it is. Andy Ruiz is just not what I would call an elite level heavyweight. There's only a few of them. There really is only a few of them. And he did get that win over Joshua. Nobody can ever take that away from him. But he wasn't able to follow it up. And people said, oh, it's because he gets fat. It's because he doesn't take training seriously. I, I saw really in shape, really motivated Andy Ruiz for this fight against Luis Ortiz. And I've seen him look sometimes out of shape, sometimes in shape. But he's always in there to win. I've never seen Andy like try to take a dive or just half-ass it. He's always trying to win. He's got a lot of heart on the line, a lot of pride. But he's just not at the level some of you think he is. That's all. He's got crazy fast hands. He's got a good chin. He's skilled. But all things being even, he, he's really got the body of a cruiserweight. That's the truth. So does he? Does Andy Ruiz punch harder than Alexander Usyk? Does he? If he does have more impact with his punches, it's because he's about 40, 50 pounds heavier. That's the only reason why. That's it. Uh, so, so put it, put that in perspective, you know, think about it guys. And that really should put it in perspective for you. Andrew Ruiz is just not on the level. Some of you think he is, that's all, but there's no shame in that. He's still a top 10 heavyweight and he still gives a lot of guys out there a hell of a fight. And I would favor him over other guys in the top 10. I really would. Sarah with the super chat. Thank you so much, Sarah. He said, uh, Ruiz only did it for the money. I feel, well, they all do it for the money. You know, let's be clear. They all do it for the money. But to me, he looked like a guy that was in shape for him um, and, and went, went in there to win the fight. Uh, but I do think he was playing it safe because he wants Wilder. And I think that's what management told him. Hey, guys, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. If you do your part and you win your next fights, Ruiz won his. Now it's up to Wilder to win his. I think they're going to do a pay-per-view, Fox pay-per-view early next year. I think that's pretty easy to see. but. Um, I don't know. I, they all kind of do it for the money. I mean, the rematch, it does look like he kind of checked out against Joshua. But I think Andy Ruiz kind of checked out in that rematch with Joshua because he knew Joshua was better. And he knew AJ was going to come into that fight 100%. He wouldn't be compromised in any way physically. And so he maybe kind of self-sabotaged a little bit, kind of like Tyson Fury did against Vladimir Klitschko. I, and look, this is all speculative. It's just me. There's certain things maybe I've heard off the record that I can't talk about on the record, but all that's just speculation. Um, you know, we don't know what would happen, but with Ruiz against Joshua, we do know. Um, but maybe that was a little bit of self-sabotage. <clears throat> Gail Falkenthal says, I was at Andy's gym here in San Diego, California. He is in great shape for himself, still has wild, fast hands. Completely agree, Gail. Completely agree. I just think he's not, you know, some people out there think he's like a top three heavyweight and say so he's, he's just not, he's just not on that level. Anyway. Uh, well, you guys know how I feel about this. I, I think that look, shouldn't have been pay-per-view. I get why I did it. We'll see what the numbers are. Probably not going to report the numbers. They only report the numbers if they're pleasantly surprised. Uh, so we probably won't see any pay-per-view numbers reported on this, but I think we're going to get Ruiz and Wilder on Fox pay-per-view early next year. That's what I see. My biggest takeaway from this whole night, again, the De Los Santos win, which was a, a surprise, and Abner Maris, I really hope he doesn't fight again. I really hope we don't see that guy again. <clears throat> Sam with the super chat. Thank you. He says, uh, finishing a guy is the safest way. You're right. You are right. Leaving the judge's hands out of it. Finishing a guy is the safest way to go. But you also do open yourself up for 
the possibility of that counter punch that puts you down changes everything and or an injury. You know, uh, if you go for the kill and you, you get a little crazy, a little wild in there, you might hurt something. You might break your hand. Uh, you might pull something, tear something. And sometimes it's best to just lay back, get the W, get the win, especially if you know you got a real big one down the line. And I think for Ruiz, he came into this fight knowing what the plan was over there. I think Wilder knows the plan too. And I wouldn't expect Wilder to come out absolutely guns blazing the first couple rounds against Robert Hellanius. Or if he does and Hellanius can somehow take it, I think Wilder might back off in some of the middle rounds like we saw Ruiz do against Ortiz. Again, these, these guys know what the plan is. Lil Garza, 33, with the super chat. Thank you so much. He says, who do you favor in Ruiz versus Wilder? Great question. Look, it, it's it's too soon to tell. We got to see how Wilder looks against Hellanius. We really, really do. On the surface, okay, I can see a path to victory for Wilder, obviously. I can also see a path to victory for Ruiz. The question is, which is more likely, right? With Wilder, the way he beats Ruiz or just about anybody else is knocking him out with his right hand. So we want to see him do that against Hellenius. It's going to be easy against Hellenius because Hellenius is going to stand straight in front of him with his chin up in the air. Wilder can fight blindfolded and still knock out Hellenius. He is tailor-made for him, right? They picked him for a reason. But I want to see how he sets it up. I want to see how his defense looks. I want to see how his reflex look. I want to see how he reacts if he does get tagged by Hellenius. You know, how are his reactions? What does he look like? We saw what Ruiz looked like in there against Ortiz. Didn't have the killer instinct, maybe, but still had his fast hands, was in good shape for him, um, did get hit a few times, needs to clean that shit up, but he was able to take the shots pretty well. Now, if Wilder hits him with a clean right hand, I'm not so sure Andy takes that punch because that's a different kind of punch. At least it used to be. I think Wilder's still going to have dynamite in that right hand. I don't think it's going away. So um, I, I don't know, dude. We got to see where Wilder is, and then we can talk about it. I promise you we will, though. I promise you we will. <clears throat> All right. Let's go into the preview. And I got some good stuff for you guys uh, today in this preview, man. Because, uh, again, I just think some people are overlooking something. You guys are not going to like my picks, by the way, of that card in London. You're not going to like my fight picks. I'm going maybe against the popular grain. But I am going with – the, some a lot of odds makers anyway uh this thursday september 8th there is a card in san jose costa rica uh two women's title bouts on that card DeZone has picked it up so you can watch that friday september 9th there's a showbox card from atlantic city new jersey that you guys can check out but the big one is this saturday september 10th matchroom boxing has a card in london and this is going to be broadcast on espn plus here in the states which is bizarre to me i don't know why espn plus would have this i guess because michaela mayor is involved but i just figured this would be on the zone but anyway it's on espn plus so this is an all women's card the main event the co-main the entire undercard all female fights i'm i have mixed feelings about that okay so 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 let me just start with this um some of you might be offended get ready but hear me out at first, when I hear something like that, my first inclination, my first like response is to say, man, that's some gimmick shit. Stop with the gimmicks. We don't need the all-female this. The all. 
Because I think like they've done that with certain movies, and those movies tanked because they were horrible, right? I think they did that with the Ghostbusters, the, which was horrible, right? Nobody saw it. And the ones who did said it was straight trash. Um, so so that was my first response to this. All female card. Look, dude, you don't need to do that. But then I go, you know what? Then there's this other side of me that says, no, you know what, dude? I kind of like this. I kind of like this because there is a huge divide between men's boxing, women's boxing, right? Men's boxing has been around for centuries. Women's boxing has been around for a little bit, but not on this level, on the big stage. It hasn't been this prevalent, this, this big and this important part of the overall boxing landscape as it has been recently. And we hear, certainly haven't had as much talent uh, as we have right now. The, the women's game has never been uh, this rich with talent. It still has a long way to go, but it's light years better than it has been in years past. Okay. Um, and we pay respect to the women back in the day who laid down the bricks for that road to get us here. We do. We recognize that, that sacrifice and that contribution. But where we are at right now in the women's game, especially in 2022, this is the best year of women's boxing ever in the history of women's boxing, just in terms of the matchups and the star power. So following up the Taylor Serrano fight, which broke through, it really, really did trend. It wasn't bullshit. It wasn't just politics and virtue signaling and posturing from blue checkmark assholes. It really, really did break through, right? It truly did. Great crowd, amazing atmosphere. And then it just so happened to be the best fight of the weekend. And it actually exceeded expectations in terms of the action. I enjoyed that fight tremendously. I really, really did. So building on that, I get this. And I get that if you're promoting women's boxing as a product that is separate and different from men's boxing, it is related. There are parallels, of course. But I like this because you're not trying to market this as men's boxing, but it's girls doing it. It's like, no, 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 dude. This is our own thing here. Women's boxing. It, it's, it's our thing. And we're doing it. And we're doing it big. So I actually like this. Um, they're not being overly political with the all women's thing. And this is history. Blah, blah, blah. They're not going down that road too much. But I like this because if you want to give women's boxing a, a shot, you're not looking at a women's title bout buried on the undercard of two men fighting or something like that, right? Which is what we're used to seeing. This is the headlining fight, the co-main, and all the undercard action. So this is a big risk. Because if the fights suck, this is going to hurt women's boxing, the branding, the marketing. But if you get some good action, if you get some really interesting fights here, if you get some skills and hopefully a freaking knockout or two, that can really get people talking. And I really, really think this could build upon what Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano did earlier this year. Does that make sense? So like, Although my first instinct was, ah, gimmicky, bleh, marketing crap. You know, I hate that stuff. Propaganda, right? But then I think about it, I'm like, no, I get what they're doing here and I like it. All right. So anyway, let me know what you guys think of that. But um, let's start with, okay, let's start with the co-main. Michaela Mayer, Alicia Bumgarner, fighting unifying belts at junior lightweight, 130 pounds. This is for Mayer's WBO and IBF titles and Baumgartner's WBC title. So on the surface, 
highly competitive fight between a boxer, and that is Mayer, and an explosive puncher, and that is Bumgarner, right? Mayer cannot punch through a wet paper bag. She has uh, five knockouts or something in her 15-plus pro fights. Uh, she was not a, a knockout machine in the amateurs or anything like that. She doesn't punch very hard. Um, and she's, you know, a tall rangy fighter, doesn't really use that length in terms of power, but uses it well in terms of spacing, uh, pretty, could be better, but uses it pretty well. Um, and then you have Bumgarner who, um, knocked out Terry Harper last year, right? A fight of the year candidate, honestly, especially in women's boxing. It was the, the, the knockout of the year, sorry, not fight of the year, knockout of the year candidate was the knockout of the year for women's boxing. And that really got people talking. Right. And so Bumgarner has shown tremendous improvement from where she started as a pro, had a very limited amateur career. She has grown by leaps and bounds as a professional. She's um, definitely improved her skill set, things like that, her temperament in the ring, and has showed an explosive type of punching ability and just overall athleticism that you don't see much in women's boxing. So I see a lot of people out there going with Bumgarner and Mayer's personality sometimes okay in person she could be very charming and and she's wonderful on the mic calling the action she's she's been on different broadcasts and stuff she's done a wonderful job so is bumgarner by the way but her personality sometimes on social media can be a little off-putting it can rub people the wrong way uh, bumgarner really has kind of built up this cult following and a lot of fans like her and she seems to be the fan favorite going into this fight at least from what i have seen but guys I really think this one's going to come down to skills. And I just think Michaela Mayer is going to win a decision here. I think that Bumgarner will have moments. And don't get me wrong. I think she can possibly land that big shot and hurt Mayer. And that would be something. That would be a huge statement. And if, if Alicia Bumgarner was able to not only win this fight, but knock Mayer out, stop her, that would be massive. She'd be she'd truly be a woman's boxing star at that point. I really think it'd get her over the hump. Um, you know, top rank ESPN picked this up in the States. They're obviously doing that for mayor because that's who they promote. Bob Arum, even though he constantly shits on women's boxing, they've gone all in on Michaela mayor. It's very, very interesting. hyperbole there, that dynamic. Um, but if, if Bumgarner was able to upset that, I think it'd be huge. I just don't think she will. I think Mayer is going to win a decision here. She's going to win on points. I have similar feelings in different ways in the main event. So Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall are fighting for the undisputed middleweight championship of the world. Shields holds the WBC, IBF, and WBA middleweight titles. Marshall holds the WBO middleweight title. Now, as a boxer, Clarissa Shields, as a professional, she has participated in different martial arts, not just boxing. And she's lost in other martial arts. But as a pro, she's never lost in boxing. She did lose in the amateurs. To guess who? Savannah Marshall, right? And Savannah Marshall's fans on social media make sure that everyone hears about it quite often. Here's the thing about that, guys. Here's the thing that people don't want to talk about by the way i forgot to mention real quick real quick tangent back to mayor bumgarner mayor had nearly a hundred amateur fights bumgarner about 10 with a losing record bumgarner a losing record as an amateur so again massive improvement as a professional but her resume if you look at who she fought outside of terry harper who was overrated anyway coming in 
not as good as Michaela Mayer's resume. And in the amateurs, you can't really hide. You have to face the best opposition. So um, I, I just, Mayer's experience and skill set is going to carry her through that fight. Okay, back to Shields Marshall. People talk about the fact that Marshall beat Shields. It was it was pretty decisive in the, in the uh, amateurs. I mean, it was competitive, but it's not like it was a split decision or something. She was the clear winner. She beat Shields, okay? And Shields knows this. So there's a psychological edge there and all that. But, man, here's the thing that people aren't talking about. At that time, Marshall was 21 years old and had about 40 fights, amateur fights. Clarissa Shields was 17, and she had 14 fights. So you had a woman who is four years older and had more than about three times as many fights. So there was a certain level of maturity, both physical, emotional, mental, but also in boxing terms, boxing mind and experience that Marshall had uh, just just uh, an advantage over Shields. At that, no one talks about that. People make so much of amateur wins. I, I saw people. Um, I think it might have been last week or something. There was people on social media talking about how Sean Porter once beat Alexander Usyk in the amateurs, but it was a very similar scenario. Porter was far more experienced at that point. Usyk was like 500, his record. It was just getting started as an amateur. If you look at what Usyk did after that, it doesn't matter. Amateur fights are like practice, guys. Seriously. Unless you're talking about world championships or Olympics, Amateur fights are practice. That's the way that you're supposed to look at it, okay? You're not supposed to look at it if you're going into a big tournament or something. Don't get it twisted. But most amateur fights that you participate in are practice for when you go pro, if that's your plan, if that's what you want to do. And so many people take way too much out of it, you know, and they make such a big deal out of it. So I get that Shields lost to Marshall, but she was 17 years old. And had 14 fights compared to Marshall being 21 years old and had about 40 fights at the time. It wasn't quite 40, but right around there. And here's the thing. So Marshall and Shields fought in the 2012 AIBA Women's World Championships. So it was high-level stuff. So this fight mattered, okay? This wasn't practice. This was real shit, okay? Marshall beat Shields. And I believe that she went on to win the World Championships in 2012. But later that same year, in the London Olympics, do you know what happened? A Kazakh, a girl from Kazakhstan, beat Marshall in the quarterfinals in the, in the London 2012 Games that same year. You know who beat that Kazakh girl? Clarissa Shields. Beat her, went on to win the gold medal. And then at the 2016 Rio Games, the exact same thing happened again. A woman from the Netherlands defeated Marshall in the quarterfinals. Shields went on to beat that woman and go on to win the gold medal in the 2016 Olympic Games. I think that says a lot. I think people are really overlooking that. Those weren't practice bouts. Those were the Olympics. That's real shit. And Shields not only won the gold twice, but she twice defeated the fighters who defeated Savannah Marshall. So there's some psychological edge there too. That was a grown, mature, or more grown, more mature. She was still young. Clarissa Shields, who was able to accomplish that feat, those feats, multiple feats. So yes, Marshall beat her once in the amateurs. Long time ago, guys. A lot has changed since then.
Shields had 60-plus amateur fights. After that loss to Marshall, she went on a big run. She won like a, about 50, not 50, 40-something straight fights that included two gold medals in the Olympics. So she has completely erased that loss to Marshall. Marshall had about 80 amateur fights. So they have very good amateur experience, both of them. But I got to say, Shields has the better amateur career. And then let's look at their pro careers. Look at who Savannah Marshall has fought. Yes, she's got knockouts. She is the harder puncher. She puts her ass into her punches. She punches with authority. I got you. She's also big and tall and strong, uh, underrated athleticism and skills. Yes, I hear you on all that. But look at who she's fought. Clarissa Shields. I think she has two knockouts in all of her pro fights. She can't punch through a wet paper bag. Michaela Mayer punches harder than Clarissa Shields. That's saying something. However, in terms of skill set, Clarissa has improved by leaps and bounds. And in terms of uh, experience against better opposition, Clarissa's is night and day compared to Marshall. She has just fought the better opposition. And there's a little bit of a grudge match factor here and some anger and animosity that Shields brings for different reasons. I won't go into all that, that she's going to be taking with her into this fight against Marshall. And I just think all those things are going to play a factor here. And I got to, I got to take Shields by split decision against Marshall. Now I might look like an absolute moron Sunday and maybe Marshall blows Shields out in five rounds. It could happen. I'm not saying like, oh man, that would surprise the hell out of me. It wouldn't. It could happen. But if I'm a betting man, now I don't know what the odds are. I don't know how the odds makers see this. Um, I would think they have Shields as the favorite and Mayer is the favorite. I would think uh, they probably have the main event very close, I would think. But so many people are making such a big deal out of Marshall's knockout power and that amateur win. And I get why they're doing that. Really, I truly understand. But if you look behind it a little bit, and that's why you guys watch my show, because I give you these details that other dudes aren't talking about. I, I would favor Shields by like split decision. That's just, that's just my gut feel going in. Um, that's how I see it. You guys might think I'm crazy, but that's how I see it. Uh, okay. <clears throat> let me make sure I didn't miss anything in the chat. <laughs> Tori says, you let your whole country down. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Tori Nads, Clarissa's first fight was Franchon Cruz, Desern. Yep. She got the W there. And by the way, I've met Franchon. Super, super nice woman. Super awesome. Um, just a cool chick. And she can fight her ass off. And she's improved a lot, too. She's a true badass. Okay, I think that's it with Super Chats. I didn't miss anything. So, um, yeah, see, Ronan says, I think Savannah takes it with a late knockout. Only once, Shields slows down. Yeah, and look, for the record, Shields has been dropped, right? I do believe, who dropped her? I can't remember who dropped her. She can be dropped. And Savannah is taller, longer. It is in her backyard. I get all of that. I'm just telling you guys, I got a gut feel. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe I'm an idiot. Wouldn't be the first time I've been accused of such things. <clears throat> okay. Let's go to the phones. Let's take a couple calls here. I think we got Thad. I will get him after this first one. I want to see how he's betting this. Okay. Let's go to uh, 559. What's up? You're on the show. Hey, what's up, Michael? Uh, it's me, Miguel, man. Uh, not the other Miguel Flores you were talking about earlier, but Miguel <laughs> Puente Flores, man. What's up? <laughs> what's up, Miguel? How you doing, brother? 
Oh, I'm about to just for here, uh, relaxing, man. God bless you and Tiff and the baby on the way. I hope everything goes well. Thank um, you. And don't forget, don't yeah, don't worry about that Twitter crap, man. Uh, yeah. People do anything. People, I worry about it. It's kind of funny how they, they they're trying to. It's kind of funny how I don't even know what it is to be honest, but I don't really care because you're my boy. You know what I mean? And <laughs> we all know the work you put in, but it's kind of funny how this all like comes to light around the same time uh, people are trying to go after the reading and hate on it you know what i mean the read magazine and stuff they're pa- yeah. and whatnot i just find that i find that kind of interesting because the, the timing is i mean they be very funny it's, it's, yeah but yeah i wanted to get to a couple of things i haven't been on your show in a while man um but that's no excuse i'm here now and i'm gonna be here more often you know uh Quick thing about the Reeves versus Ortiz. Um, first of all, I didn't even watch it. Um, I, I really thought it was just going to be a blowout by Ruiz. And regardless, why even watch that? Because, I mean, from, in, my, in my honest opinion, uh, Ruiz shouldn't even be fighting guys on that level. But given the road that this guy has taken, it's not surprising. You know, it, you know, I was once cheering for this man when he knocked out AJ. And I was like, holy crap, finally. Us Mexicans got it, you know. Like we got, we we finally got our our stamp, you know. And right, you know, he comes in a thousand pounds overweight, and guy <laughs> blows it. And then on top of that, on top of that, he shows his true character. Dude, he fired his, his the people that got him to beat AJ, which was Manny Robles in there. Yeah, you know, that's people a good point, this guy just, just, just yeah, he 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 got rich and, and got like a hell heavier, and then just fired them because they're really with the business. They're really with you know, a true boxing discipline, as as you can see, but he actually fired him, kicked him to the fucking curb, mm-hmm. and then went into the Reynoso camp, and now he's looking suspect. I mean, the last time he was in shape, dude, come on, it was when the best, the time when he was the best in shape was when he fought AJ. We all know that. And look at the way he looked compared to it now. And on top of that, it's, it's a lot of similarities with the Reynoso side that make their fighters uh, box. He's, he's just carrying the fight. Like Canelo does, he carries a fight against these shot dudes or these guys lower than him, drops him, and and still carries a fight. Um, if you ask me, uh, it, like I, like you said earlier, it's all set up for Wilder, and I mean between the two, honestly, I I got Ruiz, man, because even though Wilder got that right hand, or whatever, Fury completely disemboweled this guy yeah. you know Deontay's not the same he, he can't be the he same he only talked right? for a few seconds dude. yeah man yeah, that's dude, like a life changing beating like, two of those like life changing beatings I mean, dude, he took dude, yeah. dude I've, been, I've been a prison I've been, I used to be in a gang I used to run the streets and I've, I've been through some shit but no one that I've seen that's taken similar beatings like that has ever been the same bro Yeah. you know we, had, we used to have these stubborn guys all the time like fuck that bro I know I can beat him I it was close come on we'll be alright Go back two, three times. These guys just brain damaged, bro. And it's and it's sad because like at this point, Al Hamas just doing his job. He's 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 gonna do the Don King move. He's gonna walk in with the money guy, and he's gonna walk out with the money guy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like you see, you see it you coming. Know, man. I, I don't know. Like, um, yeah, it's it's that's that's just the way it is, especially with heavyweight boxing. You have this guy that's Mexican and he's not as chinny as Wilder. Dude, they're gonna they're gonna get Wilder out of there. He 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 already messed up by being stubborn and going against the grain. He shouldn't have fought Fury all those times, but he did. And how Heyman knows it, he's like, dude, this guy's shot. You know what I mean? We need another cash cow. Fuck it. We got the guy with the Canelo team. 
Let's make some money with him, man. Mm. I mean, honestly, Fury beats all of them. Usyk dances around them like a ballerina and wins with his eyes closed. I don't really see anybody pulling a threat except maybe some of these younger guys that they get more fights. But other than that, I don't know, man. I just Ruiz is a is, is a completely changed guy. This dude's even coloring his freaking hair now. You know what I mean? Like well, he, ta- he put the tattoo on his butt, man. Did you? Not, see, he tattooed his ass. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> what the dude, hell is he, that he about? Does, he, between him and, hey, between him and between him and Wilder, I don't know who got the skinnier legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point, man. It, Ruiz looks like I two mean, different human beings, dog. Like if you look at like his upper body. From the waist up and the waist down, it looks like two different humans. He doesn't look like the same person. Especially now. But he looked funny before, but you look at him now, and especially with that team, how they have a horrible, the worst track record of steroids in the last, I would say, 30. I don't even know who the top guys are. Maybe Manuel Herrera and them or whatever their name is. But, I mean, what camp has more guys that tested positive? Valdez, the 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 Martinez dude, um, um Canelo. Come on, come on! We all know what's going on here. Hey, and you, even, you said it, not me. And you even you then, said it, not me. It's true. You know what I mean. I just think that at this point, um, it's just to get someone as a top guy in PVC. They don't, re- to me, in my opinion, they don't care about Wilder. They're putting him up against Elanius. You know, someone tailor made. Even Ortiz against Ruiz was more of a risk than that. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. Alhamid was like, oh, I want to see, I want to see how Ruiz does. You know, against someone that's shot but we'll give you a round to see what he does and i think that was good enough for him that's the way i look at it because i mean damn dude they're like these guys are like mob bosses all these damn promoters you know what i mean and now him is at the top with this crappy matchmaking and on purpose uh a way of doing business just like javante davidson then it's it's completely hilarious now they got isaac cruz calling him out and it's going all so over they're gonna, the do, they're gonna do a rematch media. Oh my God! Oh my! God. Oh, I can't even. Now he's coming. I want to. I want to crack that dude. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. I was. I was gonna say they're gonna do a rematch with Cruz. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, at the very end of this year, uh, you see Tank and Cruz. I hope not, but I could see that happening. Uh, just be, you could just see him doing it. You know. And, yeah. You know, it's a sad thing, but I think these these, these all these guys are gonna are just gonna. Oh, okay, Haney's gonna jump from 140 as Lomachenko comes back. We all know that. He's gonna he's gonna beat Cambosos again. We all know that. So he's probably just gonna move up and say, "Ah, oh, you're ducking me." But as far as other guys, I don't even, I don't think they want any part of of Garcia, dude. And and I've been critical of Garcia just like you, but man, I watched his replay of uh, him versus Fortuna, and he knocked him down twice, but. I'm telling you, Mike, this kid, God damn, this is so fast. He, he let, The first knockdown, I believe, when he was on the corner at Fortuna, he landed a left that was so fast. They didn't even show it in the highlights, Mike. They showed the other crappy knockdowns. You should take a look at it. This kid is special. He, man, he's so quick and he's so precise. Now, the thing is, he hasn't really got tested. But, I mean, that's not really his fault either. At the, back in the days, all these guys would have fought already. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just recently, Oscar De La Hoya, Oscar De La especially the issue, like, it's kind of reminding me of um, when Canelo fought Golovkin, how De La Hoya was all up in the mix. You know what I mean? And and he just went on recently saying, what's the, what's the holdup? Al Heyman, uh, you guys at Showtime, let's do it. And there's no response, so that tells you that, you know. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to you for all your hard work, man. 
don't let nobody put you down, especially anything that's through a screen and frequencies through satellites that we don't even own, dude. You know, you're going to be all right, man. Appreciate it, opinion, You're a very successful guy. Thank you. Hey, nah, seriously, in my opinion, you're a very successful guy. You know, you're, you put your, in my opinion, you put your job on the line, just like your, your, your other guys you mentioned, you know, to say the truth, you know, and I appreciate that because there's not, there's not many of us left, man, and just keep up the hard work, Mike. I just wanted to comment on Andy Reeves on, on that night. And also, um, my prediction for Golovkin versus Canelo 3. Uh, I got Golovkin by knockout. If not, uh, Canelo's going to be slowly beating him to a pulp, and he'll win off a stoppage. I don't think this is going to the decision at all. Wow. Um, okay. And that, that's that. Uh, as far as uh, Bevo versus uh, Ramirez, I got Bevo by... Uh, by split, uh, by a split or unanimous decision, he's gonna walk the he's gonna walk the park with that guy. Canelo is never going back up, and uh, that'll be it, man, for me today. God bless you, Mike. Thank you so much, Miguel. Have a great day, brother. Hey, man. God bless you too. I, I'll hit you up on your next show, huh? Cool. All right, peace, brother. All right, guys. There he goes, Miguel. Great call, man. Great call. Great stuff. Uh, we got a super chat here from Junior. Thank you so much. He says, don't sweat the weeds in Twitter, Mike. Keep doing you. I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it, you know, let me get to this real quick. I just Let me just say this, okay? I'm not going to even talk about these guys on Twitter going after me. In fact, um, I posted um, – I, I just called it an open letter, and um, it's like a nine-minute video I posted last Friday – some people hated it. Some people liked it. Nobody forced me to do it. Nobody put a gun to my head. I did it on my own accord. I just wanted to address the things being said about me and apologize if I really did offend anybody because that wasn't my, ever my intent, although it was a decade ago. It truly, it wasn't my intent to do that. But I want to get that out there. But I wanted more than anything else just to kind of explain what it all was. Because a lot of you guys didn't even know. You guys are like, what the hell's going on? What's this shit? So um, I addressed it. Some people liked what I said. Some people hated what I said. Some people liked parts of it, hated parts of it. If I did it right, that means you probably were cool with some of it, hated other parts of it, loved other parts of it. That means I did it right. I've addressed it. That's all you're getting from me. That's it. I'm moving on. And, and, Judge me based on who I am now and what I do now um, and for the man that I've grown and become and recognize that the people saying the things they're saying about me are saying it because they're jealous and they're trying to make it sound like I'm something that I'm not. I never like I didn't cross a line that they claim I did. Uh, it just again, I'm not going to spend any energy on it here, guys. It's been addressed. I move forward. And also, I want to let you guys know, I'm currently working on um, possibly a new deal with me, my show, um, and a new platform. So, so it's in negotiations. I can't talk about it quite yet. Um, just know that there's some very awesome stuff coming up for me, like big career changing stuff. So um, I'm currently working on this. It's been in the works for a minute, but it's going to be ongoing for a little bit. So there's this little period of transition, and I just can't really talk about it all right now. It has nothing to do with other recent stuff. It's, um, again, it's stuff that 
I've been working on since before all that anyway. So um, I'll announce it when the time is right. And the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Uh, but for right now, yes, I'm just working on some new exciting stuff and I'll have some cool stuff to announce very, very soon. All right. So uh, another super chat. Uh, this one's from CJ Duncan. What's up, man? Thank you so much. He said, buying you a shot to pour out since it's September without the Spence versus Crawford announcement. Who's the greatest regular champ of all time? Dog, if they don't announce Spence versus Crawford by Golovkin Canelo fight week, it ain't happening this year. I'm convinced. And I'm starting to really, really doubt it happens. Now, they might just be waiting till Canelo Golovkin because that's like the biggest event of the year, right, commercially. So maybe they're just waiting for that, which would kind of be trash for them to announce it then. But who knows? But we heard a bunch of people saying they were going to announce it yesterday during the Ruiz-Ortiz fight, right? And it didn't happen. Um, so now I'm like, well, we need to do this. The, the next, the, the only really good opportunity to do it is coming up in a couple of weeks. That's it. So if they don't announce it by then, it's, it's, it's not happening. And if it doesn't happen this year, guys, we'll talk about it then. But if if you bitch and complain that it doesn't happen this year and then when it happens next spring and they charge you $80 pay-per-view and you jump all over it you're part of the problem that's all I'm saying as far as who's the greatest regular champ of all time shit bro if you just go on social media they'll tell you it's Tank Davis he's what a four-time champ three-time champ and maybe it's uh maybe who was uh, Trevor Bryan <laughs> I honestly, bro, I can't even keep up with the regular champ, but you know what? That would actually be like a really fun video to do just to look back at all the WBA regular champs and pick who the best one of all time is. That'd actually be a fun video. Sam with the super chat. Thank you so much. He said, how is Jack going to triple G? Oh, to the Canelo triple G fight when rooms are 500 bucks a night. I don't know. I know our, uh, our, our friend, Jack Alter, friend of the show here. He is going. Uh, so I'm not sure how he's going, but um, I won't be going. I will be in Detroit doing commentary for uh, a fight card up there that I was supposed to fight on, but my opponent uh, withdrew. So what can I do? Nothing I can do about that, but I'll be up there calling the action. Okay, let's go to, we've got Thad on the line. I want to hear how Thad is betting this weekend, if at all. We'll see what's up with that. All right, uh, Thad, what's up, brother? You're on the show. Yeah, I'm cracking up after that uh, WBA regular champ uh, bit. I, I have a great answer for it. And the first name that came to my mind is the quiet man, John Ruiz. Oh. That must have been the biggest, craziest saga I've ever seen with the WBA regular championship belt. Because he fought Holyfield three times in, in three weird, controversial fights. Yep. Then he ended up losing it to uh, Roy Jones and then lost it again to Tony, got it back from Tony because Tony was on steroids, yep. lost it to Shagayev, got it back somehow. And then he, he, he fought Voluev and I think Voluev yeah. beat him. I remember that. And it was just, it was a soap opera for like six years. Oh yeah. And that's right. Atlantic city, the fight I was at um, when he fought Hasim Rahman. And he beat Rockman for the, the vacant WBA championship again. I don't know. That might have been the regular, or, or I don't know. It, 
I don't know back. It was one of the belts. It was might have been the main belt. But he fought Rockman in Atlantic City for a vacant belt for the WBA. He won that one. And that and that's a story for all time. There was there was a pre-fight fight brawl uh, the night before at um, one of the uh, the hotel bars, and uh, there was some uh, legendary figures there, um, Bert Sugar, and a few other guys, and uh, they all left when it happened. But it was between the two parties, uh, the Rockman and the Ruiz party, and one of my friends kind of was the culprit that that ended up starting it by accident. He was wearing the same thing that the Ruiz people were wearing. Oh, and then the Rockmon people thought he was with Ruiz. And then the Ruiz people came and then they got on the Rockmon people and the big brawl started. It, it was absolutely nuts. Good times. So, anyway, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of history with how Ruiz held that belt. It was, it was. The yeah. Weirdest, I'm, looking, I'm looking at it right uh, now. Title reign ever. He fought. He fought for it in 2000 and ended up fighting for it a dozen or so times all the way up until 2010. So it was basically that entire right. decade he was fighting for the WBA belt. And I don't know if they did regular belts back then or not, but it basically it was because remember, because Lewis was the green champion. They gave uh, the regular belt. They made it vacant for Holyfield and Ruiz to fight. Okay. If you remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So, then so Holyfield it really beat was. Ruiz and then Ruiz beat Holyfield. So it was this one big soap opera. It was, it was the weirdest thing ever. And, but it's boxing. So I was used to it, but. But see, the oh, WBA what a, what a fuckery was, goes back all the way to then. Like, because I, I remember that era. It was yes, it so bad. It really was so bad. Yeah, it, it was an absolute travesty. So, yeah, even to have a segment on that, it'll, it'll, it'll be hilarious if you could review all of John Ruiz's fights. I mean, oh, there's shit. always some kind of drama going on. But the main the main reason I'm calling here, I'm going to try to, you know, breeze through it. The um, what I was away this weekend. I did, and I was out of the, the state. I couldn't use my offshore account. The casino I was at in Seneca, uh, Niagara, Niagara Falls, they didn't offer the odds on the fight that I want to tell all fight uh, bettors to look out for. There's a scenario where you have a replacement opponent that comes in that, that's young, hungry, has power, and, and the, the clincher is Southpaw. So we saw Valenzuela. He was training for, I think it was Jezreel Corrales, yep. a light-punching orthodox fighter. They threw him in with this Dilla Santos, who was a hard puncher. He was coming off a loss. He had 13 knockouts and like 14 wins, and he was a southpaw. And he was training, and on short notice, Valenzuela was at a huge disadvantage. And the odds, Mike, were Valenzuela uh, – uh, Valenzuela, it was minus 1250, so that's 12 to 1. And uh, De Los Santos, I believe, was plus 575 to 600. Shit. So if you put 100 bucks on him, you'll win 600 bucks. So here I am calling people back home, any friend, anyone that's going to be able to put up 100 or $200 to bet this guy, you know? And I got one guy to do it. So I got to kind of split the, you know, the residuals on that, but I couldn't put the bet in. Because I left, and they didn't have they didn't have the odds up when I left, and I couldn't put it in from a different state because it's illegal online. So, and then the odds they didn't have the the fight listed in that casino up there. So, it was the dream scenario come true, and I was only able to get a a hundred dollars on that. Damn. <laughs> Normally, I would have put like five hundred. So, but that's that's a scenario. You know, people who bet boxing should always look for 
a late replacement opponent with power, youth, and 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 a southpaw. We've seen stance. that a million it times. Disaster. Yeah, it's, right. Yeah, a million times. Yeah, I just can't believe the people that were managing Venezuela. How they even, you know, let that happen? How do you not protect your fighter? It, it makes me wonder what was that? Was it was the money backing the other guy? Because it just made no sense to me. Like if I was a manager in that scenario, I would say the hell no. Right. I'll hold my guy out for, for someone else so he could train for him. Right. You know, we didn't have any southpaws and we're not training for a power puncher. So the game plan was, you know, to fight a guy with, you know, an orthodox stance who can't punch. So what do you, what do you think's going to happen? So that's, that's a lesson for everyone to learn. You know, when you're betting, that's a pearl that stands out. That's where you make money in this game. And, you know, it's not going to hit every time, but it, but consistently, if you look for that scenario, you're going to make money. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you have anything to add there, Mike? I know it's kind of no, no. I completely agree. And again, there's so many scenarios we could bring up. Um, that's yeah. definitely, yeah. I mean, I man, maybe I should start betting because shit, I can make some money at this. Yeah, uh, shoot. it'd just be I, unethical. I you and maybe, uh... yeah, you should have called me, <laughs> and then I could freaking put some money down. <laughs> Hell, I'll have my wife do it. Yeah, but um. I was. Yeah. <laughs> are you betting the uh, the women's card this weekend? I am, and I'm, I'm okay. reluctantly doing it because I'm putting it on uh, the people that I don't like. I don't like Michaela Mayer, and I don't like Clarissa Shields. But they're going to win, for right? Reason they're going to win those two fights, are they yeah. not? Thank you. Yeah, Michaela Mayer is going to win. You know, hands down. There's yes. no question in my mind, and here's why. Uh, I had my doubts about Michaela Mayer when she fought Mohamedouche, and and she. Passed that test with flying colors and, and, uh, Bob Gartner, she's improving and, you know, she's got, you know, a little cachet. Um, but this is a classic boxer versus a puncher with athleticism. And she's going to box circles around this girl. It's possible she gets hurt early, but the late rounds, Michaela Mayer is going to, going to put it on her and it'll be an easy decision win. Now I, I know that Michaela Mayer is a minus two fifty favorite. And that's what I'm betting. Okay. If I could get, you know, a casino with the odds to win by decision, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet there. I don't I don't have those odds yet. They'll come out like a Friday. Okay. But I do we'll have talk the about odds on the mayor. Or, uh, yeah. Okay. On um, the, uh, the Clarissa Shields fight with Savannah Marshall, and right, and Marshall was a favorite all the way up till. And there's some places now like she's a slight underdog. Um, where Clarissa Shields is the underdog very slightly. If you bet on Clarissa, you'll probably get even money, which is a hundred to a hundred. So if you bet a hundred, you'll win a hundred clean. Normally the juice is minus minus one ten. Uh, so Savannah Marshall is the slightest of favorites. I, I just think it's a, a miscalculation. Um, people fell in love with Marshall's power, which is real, but here's the deal. Clarissa Shields style. If she is aware that she's fighting a puncher, she's, it's very hard to get knocked out when you're looking to get, you know, looking for someone to knock you out. Like we saw Lennox Lewis and Tyson, everyone, you know, and their mother knew that Tyson's only chance when he was that age and that decrepit was a land of knockout punch. And Lewis was not going to give his chin. I think Shields will probably go into that fight with that mindset. But, but Clarissa Shields is a mental midget and she might, she might cave under the pressure of this fight. Here's my only thing. If 
that, that, that I have a doubt with. I have no doubt with Michaela Mayer. But Clarissa Shields, if she gets into a, a, a pissing match at the weigh-in and promises a knockout and that gets into her head, and if she's dominating early and she thinks she could knock her out, she's going to leave herself open and get walloped and, and get knocked out herself. Hmm. I don't know if her mindset is going to be able to control that whatever defect she has in her personality if she's able to control that then she'll win by decision but knowing how she is and how she overreacts and and that hot-headed temper that and that that uh inferiority complex where she has to prove something if that gets in her head she's going to lose this fight so i look at this as a 70 30 fight on paper and to bet the knockout with uh, Marshall, you're going to get back plus 250. So if you put up 100, you'll win back 250 plus your 100. With uh, Shields, to win by decision, she's plus 130. And on the money line, she's plus 100. So the odds makers are basically telling you she's going to win by decision or not, or she's not going to win. Hmm. So that's how it has to play out. If you believe this fight goes a distance, she's going to win. But for the intangibles that I stated, that's the that's the uh, the smoking gun gun here. If uh, Clarissa Shields, if if she's able to control her emotions and be a professional, and there's a difference between being a professional and being a a, a professional with with class, fortitude, heart, and and if you're able to have all of those qualities, you know you should be able to get through this fight pretty easily, because because Marshall's pretty one dimensional. She's a slugger. She's got real power. She's a good fighter, but Shields has so much more with with her game with 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 volume. Mm. It's very tough to beat her by decision. Right. So the only thing that's going to come into question is her mind. So we'll see. I mean, I'm going to bet, but I'm not going to bet a lot because I just have that doubt about her as a as a um, her mental makeup as a person. I I think she has that you know, that flaw, that mental flaw. If she had the mindset of like a, a Katie Taylor, then yeah, there's no question. So my, my pick is shields by decision. But again, it's, it's, it's going to come down to how she manages her, her anger and, and her personality. So if you need to add anything in there, Mike, I'm all ears. I pretty much see it exactly the same way. And, um, I think with Shields, I do I do agree with you. She has just just an overall like inferiority complex. It's a little bit of an insecurity, and um, it goes back to how she grew up. And I can kind of relate. I mean, you, when you grow up uh, and you go through certain things as a kid, um, it does make you insecure, and it, it takes a while to like outgrow that. And it comes with success. And my thing is, she's succeeded already. Like she should have outgrown some of that stuff. Um, it's up to her corner to reel that shit in. And if her corner can keep her composed and keep her, there's a lot of anger in there and like a lot, like almost hatred a lot of times, and especially with Marshall and she's going to be bringing some wilder fury stuff into this and her corner needs to really, really work to keep that shit down and just keep her calm and keep her just boxing. Because I really think she can outbox Marshall. 
and win a decision if she's on her A oh, game. Easily. I really, really do. I think Marshall's easily. a little overrated. It hasn't fought anybody to prepare her for this. She just hasn't. And the the shields that she yeah. faced a decade or so ago, I think it was actually a decade ago, uh, in the amateurs, this is a grown woman now, and it's just totally different. So um, I, I expect shields to look good, but it's really up to her corner, dude. And and I agree with you with the yeah. other fight. I and actually think come- Mayer is going to win pretty, pretty nine three. Something like that. I really think yeah. she can win that. That's and I, I like Baumgartner. I like her as a person. She's probably the most attractive female fighter right now. She's a good look at what that yeah, helps market her. That. You know? Um, but I just, yeah. I, I disagree on the look. On, I, really? It's very attractive, Mike, and, yeah. and not to cut you off. But I, the best I would have to say is, is she just fought this past week and I never miss a weigh in. Natasha Jonas, I, I think. Oh, she yeah, is yeah, yeah. She's a good-looking woman. And she's oh, a classy right. woman. She's a really nice woman, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like and Natasha she moved up to 154. I think the weight looks a lot better on her at 154. Sure she's does. got an amazing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. body. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you, Mike, and here's, here's something that leads into this fight, too, because what you just said about Marshall not fighting anybody. Well, here we have Jonas moving up from 35 to 54, and she's cleaning out that division, okay? She moved up. Three di- three divisions. Um, McAllister, or who was that other girl that, that Katie Taylor fought? Um, with She fought Jonas and beat Jonas. Then Jessica McCaskill. Previous to her, she's McCaskill, that's correct. Yeah. She moved up to 47 to fight Breakus, right. beat her twice. Right. So you have these lightweights moving up and beating up the bigger women who are supposedly pound for pound. It just goes to show you that all the talent in women's boxing is in the lower divisions. And Absolutely. why is that? Because women are small people. Right. Women are small people. They you don't have a lot of uh, bigger women in boxing because at 160 pounds, that's about the threshold you go. Because that a walking around weight would be 180. You usually don't see women that size. Right. And and if you do, then they're probably obese. You know, if they're you know, or they're six foot you know, two they're and they're in the WNBA. They're they're six foot two or something. Like yeah. That, right. Right. Yeah. There's no more Maria Shalapovas mainly. You know, there's not a lot of them walking around like six foot two right. women with, with that kind of build. So right. you're gonna you're gonna find the talent zone, you know, in those lighter weight divisions, and it usually peaks out at about 135. So you have these these fighters that Kay Taylor beat, and they're destroying the competition at these higher weights. It just goes to show how weak the divisions are above. 135. I've been saying it for okay. years, brother. So, I, I get I get shit on, but I've been saying it for years. It's it's just the truth. It's, it's just biology. It, it's plain fact. You have these girls, and you see Jonas. She looks the same pretty much. She put on 20 pounds, but you really can't tell. It's in maybe in her thighs a little bit, you know, but that's a little bit more where her power's coming from. And she's just taking apart girls. She almost had this girl out of there. I mean, she um, she just destroyed her in the second half of the fight. These girls can't contend with her, and these are champions. She she's cleaning out that division at fifty four. Okay, so you know the competition level where, where Shields and Marshall are fighting is desultory. It's right. you know there there really isn't a lot of fight like a straw weight in the um, in the men's. You don't find a lot of guys that are hundred pounds. Right. You know, there's right. not a lot of um, competition. So it's the same thing with women on the opposite scale. So when you factor that in, yeah, you, this is this is why Shields is going to always have, you know, it's her career is going to be looked at a little bit more overrated. She hasn't fought anybody. Well, Marshall's a good fighter, but she's nowhere in the class of of a, of a Natasha Jonas or a McCaskill 
Right. Or um, sorry, I keep mispronouncing her name. Um, no, McCaskill's that's it. Taylor is just you got like, it right. McCaskill's it. Jessica yeah, McCaskill. McCaskill, yeah. Okay. I, Who's I another super awesome human being, by the way? I, Jessica's awesome. Jessica and um, okay. her soon-to-be husband and trainer, Rick Ramos. Um, awesome people. Okay. Uh, yeah, me and Tiff hung out with them a little yeah. bit when we were in Chicago uh, last month, and um, yeah, just just impossible not to oh, love nice. those guys. They're really, really great people. Great. So you know, with with people in the, uh, you know, keep that in mind. But this this week will be interesting. I, you know, I'm I'm gonna enjoy the fight, and uh, I think people, you know, what I'm, I wanted to say, PBC actually got something right this past weekend. They put a they put a fight on on a Sunday night where everybody was doing pretty much nothing coming back from vacation. Like I was looking for something to do. I get a call from a friend. He's like, Hey, there's, there's boxing on. Do you, do you want to come over? And I'm like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's get it. And you know, he, he bought it. And, um, it was just because he had literally nothing to do. His wife was out of town and, um, you know, he saw the fight on that was going on on Fox on uh, the free fight with Spencer. So that was good advertising. And he's just like a casual fan that just wanted to have, you know, a bunch of people over. Right. You know, so people came over and it was like this big thing. And it was like a party atmosphere on Labor Day. That's what boxing needs to do. They need to take advantage of lulls in the action where there's not a lot of sports, you know, being performed. Um, you know, take this weekend, for example, on a Sunday, you know, Thanksgiving holiday, maybe do it on a Wednesday or a Friday, you know, where you have like these big gatherings. Um, I think that fight is going to sell. I think the Ruiz and uh, Ortiz fight are probably going to do about 300 hmm. pay-per-view buys, 300,000. And it's going to be the PBC's biggest pay-per-view um, of the year. I, I, I think they're going to they're gonna surpass what Tank Davis did. Okay? Okay. All because of the fact that they put it on a Sunday night with, with a holiday and nothing going on. So... Yeah. It was the right date. BBC finally got something right. I just wish it wasn't pay-per-view. But uh, we're running up, man. It's been almost 20 minutes, so we should probably jump to the next call. Yeah, thanks for the time, Mike. I really appreciate it. Great stuff, man. Great stuff. And we'll do it again Friday, all right? Will do. I'm going to hear Gail Falkenthal call in or or talk about the the women's fight. So if she's listening, I'll chime in. Cool. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, we've actually, Gail, I've had Gail on as a guest. We might need to uh, have Gail call in one of these times. We're going to take one more call. Actually, um, super chat real quick from Sam. I said, how about Cruz? He was only negative 110 by KO. That was stealing. Yeah, I don't know how anybody thought that fight, just looking at it on paper, would go past five or six rounds. I just, that was Cruz showcase all day. Now, him getting it done that early, credit to him. I mean, because I think it was what, KO2, KO3, something like that. So he really did his job. He really, really did all credit to him. But that was definitely a showcase. And I don't see how anybody could have thought that was going to be a competitive fight. All right, we'll take one more call, one more call real quick from Nacho. And then we'll uh we'll we'll that'll be it for tonight, guys. Uh let me get Nacho on the line here. Nacho, what's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Uh enjoying your uh, Labor Day, uh, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I am, yeah. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. Um so yeah, just to talk about the card last night, um, I agree with Sad from the standpoint of the PVC finally did do something right as far as placing a card on a day where really they were the main focus of uh, sports because there was really nothing going on last night other than 
maybe one college football game that, that was going on at the time. But other than that, everything else was pretty much out of the way for them to have the card on last night. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to t- touch on the fights. Um, so with Valenzuela, um, I think that kid has, has talent, Mike. But honestly, I think the matchmakers at the PBC did him a big disservice by giving him uh, all of these uh, faded vets lately just to kind of put names on his ledger. Mm-hmm. And they were giving this kid a, a false sense of confidence in that maybe he thought he was better than he really was. And uh, the fact that he finally took on a guy who was close to his age, a big puncher, a guy who had been tested, and you saw the results of it last night. He he walked through Valenzuela. Valenzuela had no answers once uh, plan A went out the window. He had no plan B, C, or D. And De Los Santos just ran through him very easily and took him out. And that's a huge win for De Los Santos. That's going to put him in the mix uh, for somebody with a name, I think, by him blowing out uh, Valenzuela. Now the question with Valenzuela is going to be, uh, how do they bring him back as far as rebuilding his uh, confidence? Because um, you can't give him a guy who's on that level, but you also can't give him another uh, faded stiff who isn't going to put up any resistance. So they're going to have to find that middle ground when they bring him back and just kind of uh, well, what about, uh, bring him back. What about somewhat. Jezreel Corrales, what they were originally going to do? It's mean, kind of a faded uh, yeah, veteran you, you know can't what? punch. That's not a bad but... fight because, yeah, he, that's the thing. He can't punch to a wet paper bag. Right. But, I mean, considering what he just went through, you know, maybe that might be the right guy. It's a name, and he's not completely faded, and he will test him a little bit. So, yeah, maybe that might be the right guy. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with uh, Valenzuela, for sure, uh, moving forward, because they're going to have to take their time rebuilding him after that uh, blowout last night. Um, with Mades and uh, Flores, um, I really hope, Mike, from what I saw on Twitter, he looks like he's talking about possibly getting back in there after that fight last night. And I'm like, oh, good God, please tell me that that's not the case, that you're seriously thinking about fighting again. Because in my opinion, he's very lucky he fought a guy like Miguel Flores. And... He has no business being back in that ring. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, he was competitive, but that's not a good thing for a 37-year-old with two bad eyes. That He should be – I hope his wife – his wife looked pissed off when they showed her on camera that he was in the ring. I really hope his wife and his family uh, call him out and said, no, that was it. Like, you got one more just to kind of get it out of your system, but no, don't don't come – don't think you're going to get another fight. I really hope they – talk him out of coming back in, into the ring. Um, and then with Cruz and Ramirez, I have to admit, Mike, I thought Ramirez was going to put up a lot better fight because I thought he had been fought. I thought he had fought the better competition on paper b- before he fought Cruz. So I thought he was going to, you know, set uh, traps for Cruz and walk him into something and, and get him uh, later in the fight. But all credit to Cruz. He went in there, wasn't playing around took it to Ramirez and just got him and boom, took him out. Uh, that was a, that was a really good win for good him taking out a guy who, yeah, it was a good performance. Uh, taking out a guy that had not been starched like that. He starched them in two rounds. So that's huge. Um, my only question is 
what do you do with him, Mike? Because at PBC, they're super limited with options at 35. I mean, Tank isn't necessarily all that thrilled about trying to, um, you know, give him another rematch. As you could see in the crowd, he was like, nah, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in that fight. So I don't know what they do with him. He's kind of stuck in the no man's land because there's really nobody they have at 30 they can bring up. And he's too small to compete at 40. So he's unfortunately he's stuck in kind of a no man's land in that in that realm because they don't have very many options and I don't see anyone else they can bring in that would be a legitimate fight for him at this point. I mean he tried to call out Haney, but that fight's never gonna happen. Yes. Haney's probably not gonna stick around too much at thirty five and um you know, uh top rank and PBC don't don't ever make fights for the most part. So I seriously doubt that's gonna happen. Uh, but we'll see what they do. And then the main event, Mike, um, I honestly, it wasn't a great fight. It was an okay fight. I yeah. thought both guys were limited as far as, you know, different reasons. Ortiz, because to me, he looks like the 43-year-old man that he is at this point. He can't pull he can't pull the trigger anymore. You can see it. And his punch resistance has, like, gotten worse as time has gone on. And Ruiz, I'm sorry, Mike, they can try all they want. The Ray Flores, Lennox Lewis, Dan, uh, Joe Goosen, Brian Kenny, they can all try to sell him as a legit contender. But until he legitimately loses another 25 to 30 pounds, uh, he's not a real contender. He's a sideshow. To me, he's a, he's a, a little bit better version of Butterbean at this point. Wow. There, there's really no, there's really no substance to this kid. Like, you know, he's not, he's not going anywhere, Mike. At this point, he would be, he would be served up as the, uh, as cannon fodder for someone with a bigger name. I, I just don't see it. I mean, do you honestly think that with the way he's looked the last couple of times you've seen him, that he could legitimately be a real top five guy? No. Not from what I've seen. No. Yeah. I think he could give him a tough exactly. fight. Exactly. He could give him a tough fight. But, um, he's undersized. He doesn't have the power. Some people think he has, he has very, he has quickness and that's how he hurts guys with his quickness. But um, some of these bigger, stronger heavyweights uh, that come in shape and punch down at the target. I don't know, dude. I just, no, but I, you know, the thing is, dude, I just never thought he was on that level. Like I said earlier, I just never thought he was quite at the level that some people thought he was. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm just saying from the standpoint of he was at the top of the world, Mike. He won oh, yeah. the World Heavyweight Championship. He had the Buster Douglas moment, though. He's basically – yeah, he ended up turning it into that, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. yeah, he did. But to me, I always feel like the kid had talent, but the problem is he has no discipline and no dedication to the sport. Yeah. It almost feels like he he's kind of like the heavyweight version of Mikey Garcia. Okay. He does it because he's good at it and he can make money. You know, I not agree necessarily with because that. he legitimately has a passion for the for the sport. You know, that's just me from what I've seen. No, I agree. But like I said, though, Mike, I, I I don't see him. I don't see him being a legit threat to anybody in the top five if he thinks that beating a faded Luis Ortiz, who legitimately was there, set up for him to be knocked out by Ruiz and made to look really good. The fact he couldn't take him out, and the fact that he went twelve rounds with that faded version, that's a huge indictment on, on Andy at this point. So 
I, I'm kind of over it at this point. I, I'm tired of them trying to sell him as like a real heavyweight contender when he's just treading water at this point. He's just going to be an an also ran kind of like um, mm. like the way you you were talking about uh, John Ruiz the oh, same way. Shit. He's going to be remembered for having won the world title, but he's also going to be remembered for the disappointing career he ended up having uh, when he walks away. So, gotcha. all right, Mike, that was my call. All right, thanks a lot, Nacho. Have a great week, man. Yeah, thanks. You too. Peace. All right. All right. Do we got any more Super Chats? I don't think so. I think that's it, guys. Good show. Good show. And uh, we'll do it again Friday. Right here. We'll uh, preview everything uh, this this Saturday, the big uh, female fight, fight card in London after the weigh-ins. And we'll talk with Thad about betting. So those of you who like to bet, those of you who like to gamble, you'll want to check out the Friday show. All right, that's when we'll break all that down. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Have a great week. Oh, we got one more Super Chat real quick from Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, Douglas with a great chin that kept him going. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, when I call Andy Ruiz uh, the Buster Douglas of this generation, I feel like that's being unfair to Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas was a lot better than Andy Ruiz. A lot better and more accomplished. All right, guys, um, we're out of here. Have a great week. See you Friday. Peace.